In early 2018, I went to a storytelling event that was hosted by comedian Cal Wilson. I'd been a fan of her comedy for years. And then after the show, I sheepishly went up to her to say, hey, I'm new to Melbourne and I perform comedy too. With her huge smile, she said to me, well, you must meet Janet. She's the fairy godmother of Melbourne comedy. Long story short, Cal soon introduced me to Janet, who soon put me on a lineup with Cal. And by the way, that was a fangirl dream come true, but I'll save that story for another day. But essentially, I've been a fan of Janet's ever since. This conversation you're about to hear was recorded a week before Cal Wilson unexpectedly passed away. The news was devastating for her family, loved ones, and of course the wider comedy community. I won't lie, I was a mess. Cal was so kind and generous to me about my comedy aspirations, especially with advice on how to navigate parenting and being an artist in this industry. I'm grateful to have met her, and I'm really glad she connected me to Janet, who's equally kind and generous, as you'll soon hear. Cal, thank you so much. I love you, I always will. And now on with the show. for coming out tonight. I really appreciate each and every one of you being here today. Uh, before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're meeting, creating, and collaborating and laughing today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay respects, my respects to their elders past and present, and also acknowledge any other cultural leaders who might be in the room. So you made it to Two Words with Taku! This is my second official live show and I am beyond thrilled. Thank you so much for being here. And so tonight's guest is someone who's really special to me. Her name is Janet McLeod. And she's the first person who gave me my first open mic spot, not open mic spot, sorry, comedy spot in Melbourne. She has been producing comedy events in Australia for, and the UK and around the world for more than 25 years. She lives, breathes, supports, loves comedy. If you've been to the comedy festival in Melbourne, most of those shows, most of those artists, they know or have been connected to, have come through Janet's Room, Local Laughs, which is in St Kilda. And so please make as much noise as possible for one funny lady called Janet McLeod. <laughs> oh, I get an intro track. <laughs> Oh great! Excellent. We're gonna sit down or are we standing up? What are we? Uh, oh, no, what we're are gonna we up sit to? Sit down. We're gonna okay. we're gonna get cozy. All right, I'm just going to unwrap this. That's professional. Hello, everybody. I've got half a glass of uh, wine spritzer left, so it's yeah, we're in for a, a great night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like the way you introduced me. It was with great gravitas. And yes. then I come up and go, hi, I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's, but it's so great. It's funny because I had your bio and I was going to read it out and then I was going to say, oh, you know, all the, all the bells and whistle that you, whistles you normally hear um, when people are introduced to stage. But the fact is that I do think you're a funny lady and that was, that was enough to say, 
And then you come on and that's perfect segue. It's just great. <laughs> and just go, oh, she's she's a, she's a dickhead, isn't she? Oh, good. Oh. No, <laughs> just like the rest of us. No, we love you. People have come to see and hear you. And so just to let you know a little bit more about Two Words with Taku, is a podcast I started seven years ago mm. to talk about my own writing and storytelling process. I've interviewed more than 40 people on the show talking about what they do. So comedians, filmmakers, just story. And I've had quite a few comedians on there, many of whom have performed at your room. Yeah. And today I just wanted to talk about comedy. And Okay. Yeah. And so let's start with how do you define comedy? Oh, uh, playfulness. It's uh, – because that's it. it. A lot of times people think, oh, comedy is like stand-up comedy. But there's so many ways to be uh, comic, I suppose. So you might be a storyteller. You might do be a gag teller. You might uh, act funny. Uh, you might you might be uh, somebody who reacts to something in a funny fashion. Uh, you could be just a, like a, you could be a total goofball. And these are all these are all comedy. So anything that is light-hearted and playful tends to be that's comic. So that's the thing. Uh, I, I tend to think of myself because I don't I've done stand up and I don't like doing it myself, but I love other people doing it. So what I tend to do is host things in a entertaining and uh, active sort of fashion. So it's if anybody needs a host for a trivia night, oh boy, am I good at that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that you bring that energy and that performance and that playfulness. So even you know, obviously how she's dressed. I, I read a bio of her where she said her favorite color was shiny. So <laughs> I wore shiny today, and then she's in color. And um, yeah, I guess. Through this conversation, even though I might be asking Janet some questions up here, we're going to open it up to all of you um, a bit later, so you can ask your own questions as well if you're if you're curious about anything. Oh, yeah. She is not shy; she does not hold anything. Yeah, yeah. Even if I don't know, I'll just lie. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll make it up. So then, in terms of playfulness, hmm. if we were a fly on the wall. Yeah. In twelve-year-old Janet's home. Oh. <laughs> where are we? I was, there? I was different. I was very shy. I was a shy child. A lot of people were very surprised by that. I mean, I, I, I liked reading funny things, but I would not try it myself. I wouldn't be that. I was, I was quite shy around people. Uh, so I think I just kind of overcompensated really as an adult where I went, oh, yeah, I'll get up on stage and, you know, be an idiot. Fine. What, what age was the tipping point? Tipping point? From shy to... I think it was quite late. Like, it started when I... Because I grew up in Ballarat. Any other people from Ballarat here today? No. No. <laughs> Nobody. She thought it was oh, this is pretty, you know. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mining for gold. <laughs> uh, very appropriate for Ballarat. And, uh, and so I used to be in the 80s. I used to start dressing up and in a wacky fashion, a wacky creative fashion. Uh, that was sort of an icebreaker I found. And then I fell into the theatre sports crowd. So, I improvised uh, theatre games. I improvised comedy. And that's when things started to tip where you just had to take a risk and go, oh, well, let's see if this works. And it was okay if it didn't. That was the – I think that's one of the, the best parts about that sort of scene was you, you kind of got supported, I suppose – where you go, oh, well, that didn't work. Well, next one. So, sorry, do you mean take a risk with your performances yeah. or with the events? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, so being on stage and seeing what happened. 
because you're there with a group of other people. So that was a, that was a that was an interesting thing for me to do as as a really shy, socially awkward person, then to to find that as a way into the world of it. I didn't set out to be an entertainer at all. That was not something I ever tried. What What did you want to be when when you were young? Uh, if you were to go back to twelve year old Janet who liked animals. It'd probably be like, oh, a vet. Although, if you like animals, that's quite a hard job. It's like, oh, you've died. Oh, well. Oh, you've been run over. Oh. <laughs> My hat goes off to vets. Uh, so, that would, that would probably be it. Something to do with animals. Like, I liked uh, um, uh, David Attenborough. Am I right? <laughs> uh, and so, maybe zoo work, that sort of thing, wildlife work. That's the sort of thing that a 12-year-old Janet would have said. Uh, but then I start to be, I don't know, be interested in the behind-the-scenes things on TV, uh, sort of seeing behind the curtain on things like that, and that made me interested. So my first job in Ballarat was at the TV station, BTV6 Ballarat. And that was also interesting because I was in a, a few ads on BTV6 Ballarat because this is how they used – the casting process used to be like this. Producer walks into the canteen. Hey, Janet, are you doing anything? Oh, No. Can you come and stroke a carpet in the studio? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that was it. So everybody who worked at Channel 6 was in an ad. <laughs> Why were you stroking a carpet? Oh, you know, because you need somebody to stroke a carpet. I like, <laughs> we've got 10% off on carpets. Oh, and there's somebody, oh, yeah. the hand, just stroking yeah, yeah. carpet. Or, yeah, yeah. or just, can you turn from one speaker to another and look at that and that? And so you sh if you want to see... My, me in action, go to YouTube, look up BDV6 Power Station Nightclub and I'm the one in red PVC and it is the most <laughs> 1980s ad you've ever seen. It's like, hey, you come to the Power Station, free entry, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Friday nights. It's just, it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you had me at the red PVC. Yeah, red PVC. Because... Aren't those coming back now? I'm, oh, I mean, yes, now. I mean, oh, they're, they're I think they're green. Red they're PVC back. never goes away. It's, <laughs> it's quite practical. It's waterproof, everybody. Spill something on you, wipe it down. It's great. Anyhow. I think the challenge is getting into them for me. But um, <laughs> So then into let's start around the comedy and local laughs specifically. Okay. Uh, in terms of what, what was the moment where you went, oh, you know what, I want to start a comedy room or comedy night okay from well, that theater sports to, to let's that. go back because in between uh, was a radio show on three triple r called the cheese shop that my friend uh dave taranto de dearly departed now uh he ran and so i he needed help one comedy festival on it and i accidentally came on board as and became like you know basically the assistant producer and then it was on uh, on air as well, doing the gig guide and things like that. So I sort of uh, snuck in that way and there was a live night at the Prince Patrick Hotel in Collingwood called The Cheese Shop and it was a legendary comedy room. And so when Dave uh, died in 1999, then it was like I kind of held the flame and kept it going, uh, kept kept you know, comedy, a quality comedy room going because there were fewer comedy rooms and so I just wanted to run one in with my ideals and personality and, and philosophies, I suppose. And so just you know, su supporting people who I believed in, 
and just making little incremental changes and going, oh, you need to do this. Because, you know, I don't know if you know, but in the 90s it was really sexist. So <laughs> that also continues. Uh, but it's taking those opportunities to, uh, I suppose, create, create different scenes within a scene. And so you've got people who are like-minded together and that way everybody gets stronger and can bring more people in. So it's like, you know, if there's a glass ceiling, you don't just all compete. You drag everybody up so then you've got a, a stronger platform together. There we go, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And actually you talked about quality comedy rooms. How would you define what a quality comedy room is compared to just... Any other one? Uh, where the focus is there's a comedy night on <laughs> instead of, yeah, we're a bar and, yeah, we're selling drinks and, oh, there's comedy there. It's, that's, that's it. We're, it's an afterthought. So we're – because, it, look, the pretense of stand-up comedy is that you can do it anywhere under any circumstances, but you can't. It's theatre. So you need to have those. Look, you're all doing. Everybody here is doing it the right way. They're they're facing forward and they're looking at the stage. So well done, everybody. You've you've nailed that bit of theatre. Because sometimes you do you get places where that isn't happening. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because even applying for grants for stand up comedy. Yeah, it, it's like where where does it fit? It's not you know is it theatre? Is it li is it um, you know how they have the different categories. Sometimes oh, yeah. stand-up is where, – where would you put stand-up? So, under theatre? Well, yeah. It, well, it really is. But, you know, sometimes in, in funding bodies, then they don't necessarily respect comedy or respect, respect stand-up as, as an art form. It's a very difficult art form to nail. Mm -hmm. uh, but for some reason, it's seen as, oh, it's easy or something. So, it's uh, – I had, I had a friend who once in – helping somebody else write an arts grant, re-described stand-up comedy as performance-specific monologue. Because you, you don't give an arts grant to stand-up, but, oh, performance-specific monologue, absolutely. So I can that. see it now. Yeah. Anybody listening to this podcast will be going, oh, I'm writing that down, performance-specific yeah. monologue. It's already been used, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's actually really great. But that's what it is. Yeah. It's like. It is. It's a monologue, but there's a purpose and that's different to just a monologue. We want immediate feedback. And so, speaking of monologues, theatre, yeah. then what makes a really great stand-up comedian? Uh, original voice. That's it. Uh, that, because, you, you know, you get people... Sometimes it takes a while for somebody's original voice to come out. Like, I've seen a lot of comics... Just be, you know, reasonably generic and quite good, and you go, oh yeah, yeah, that Tom's Tom's very good. And then sometimes there's a, just a little, little tipping point, and so you about eight year mark, so six year mark, you see somebody go whoop, and they become really solid. And then about the eight year mark, in between the eight to ten years, sometimes you will just, yeah. Wow, sorry, I wasn't yeah. ready. What do you mean ten well, years? No, no. You will see people be, be really good, really good, really good. But then you, there's little moments. I always see like some two-year mark, four – it's it's like a lot of even years. But about the ten-year mark, then suddenly there's a real maturity that will hit some people. Uh, like I remember seeing Tom Gleeson. I like how you say some people. Well, no, but – well, you know, because there's some people who go, oh, you'll be doing stand-up for ten years and you go – 
once every couple of months over a 10-year period doesn't count. Uh, it doesn't. It just doesn't. Okay, it's, I've been it's using that line. Hours. So, okay. So, I shouldn't say I've been doing it for eight, for eight years once every... Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's actually good to know because even when you're talking about, um, you know, six year mark, eight year mark, is that people doing it three to four gigs a week, like full time? At least a couple of times, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just flying hours. It's like, it's, it is like literally flying. It's the amount of time on stage, the amount of time doing stuff, but you can up it by, by just having other types of stage time too and other, getting other performance skills or whatever. Like I, I do remember seeing Tom Gleason suddenly go from, uh, really good, uh, accessible, mainstream uh, approach comedian to <coughs> Tom Gleason, who's the hard quiz guy. So seeing him get his comic voice, because it's it's not about getting good as such, because there's a lot of people who'll be good really quickly, but sometimes it's just finding that comic, the real comic voice that's within. But sometimes I also see people at the 15 year mark, like and get and get a different level. So it's it's like different levels can get a, can be achieved at different points. So some like George Carlin's a great example where his material in the seventies he morphed into something even different and greater, in my opinion, later on in his years. So yeah. it is it can be a really it's a long term thing sometimes. Well, here's a question for you. Um, the first comedian, the first Australian comedian I ever saw yeah. was Kevin Bloody Wilson. <laughs> at a, wow. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and I'm. this was in 2000, early 2000s. Yeah. And I remember I was at a footy match. And if you don't know Ken Bloody Wilson, he's a musical performer, but his stuff is really crude and, like, it's, you know, all the all the stuff. We're like, right. Um but yeah, so what would you say about comedy, you know, back in those days and, and now, like what things, you know, how things have changed? Can you look bird's eye view and go, yeah, where do the jokes and comedians like Kevin Bloody Wilson sit now versus the new I mean, voices they, that are coming up? And they've, they've still got, I mean, they've got a place, I guess. There's stuff that I wouldn't, you know, I don't subscribe to, but... Uh, uh, there's now. I think I just think there's a lot broader subject matters that are brought into comedy. I mean, I love niche comedy. I like I, just looking around this room, and I'm going, oh, all these sciencey things. I love the fact that there's a lot of comedians who specialise in science and mathematics and uh, and and you know uber nerdy uh, niche or seemingly niche comedy, but then they put it out there, and it's really popular. Like, you go to Edinburgh Fringe Festival and you'll see, you know, at least half a dozen shows about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and, and it's great. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just seeing all these, uh, the, the multi-subject uh, comedy shows and that there's now a wider uh, wider range of people who, wider demographic and people with different backgrounds and cultures that are taking part in stand-up comedy. Because one of the things that happened... Like, YouTube was brilliant for this. Like, about 12 years ago, suddenly there's all these scenes that started all across, like, Southeast Asia. It's a great example. Like, the Malaysian comedy scene. You can you can, you can pinpoint it to a certain time because that's when YouTube suddenly became big and these stand-up scenes started all across certain 
uh, certain areas of the world and they're still emerging. And so I love meeting comedians where it's like, oh, where are you from? Oh, Romania, fantastic. And just finding out all about their scene. And I was having a chat to somebody about the Nepalese comedy scene. Where there's places you think, oh, do they have a comedy scene? Well, it might be, you know, very small, but it's still, it's starting. Yeah, and, and funny is funny is funny. Yeah. Anywhere, anyhow. Yeah, I love hearing Even without, without language sometimes. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's, that's the pure form of comedy. <laughs> That's it. I once had a uh, uh, discussion with somebody who's going, "Yeah, I think stand-up's the most pure form of comedy," <laughs> and I went, "Oh no, I, I don't agree." And they went, well, what is it? I said, "Oh, probably clowning," and they was going, "Because oh. <laughs> there's stand-up wankers out there who go, oh, yeah.'" <laughs> and I go, "Look, stand-up's great, but you know, it it has certain parameters. You got to hit certain parameters of uh, you got to uh, for stand-up to work, you've got to be." You've got to have cultural touch points or p- touch points of knowledge or things that uh, the way it works is like a little interior truth to to the the joke is what makes you go, ha, I get it. <laughs> or, ha, I agree, is almost it. It's like a sort of form of agreement in it. But, and clowning is just you don't need necessarily need words. Yeah. It, you could just be goofy and uh, people across different cultures will go, hey, that's funny. I feel like clowning would be really hard. Yeah. Harder than, than stand-up. Do you think clowning would be harder than stand-up? Any clowns in the house? Yay! Oh, okay. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I love that. The physical comedy. Physical, yeah, like a really good physical comic. That's uh, I just love watching somebody who's just really, really good at it. Mm, and they, they really let themselves go. And I, I think when I, when I think about watching you know, stand-up comedians who just get in that flow as well. It's sort of almost the same thing. Oh, like yeah. Once you – I mean, I'm sure most of us have watched someone who is just on stage and you're just you're just completely mesmerised in where they're taking you and everything yeah. hits and it's funny. And then the flip side is when you're performing. And I, I personally think that if you can make yourself laugh or if you're telling that story from a place of – you've healed from whatever that stuff might be or yeah. you've just really been able to step away from it and then speak to it. There's just such joy in then knowing that people can, can come with you on that on that ride and for that laugh. Oh, yeah, and it's great as an audience member watching that and you go, oh, I also am fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me more. And sometimes there are those little yeah, little yeah. things that you learn just by going, oh, this is this is really interesting because mm-hmm. I do that. <laughs> so then, with local laughs, mm. which has been running, it's twenty years. Twenty this years, year. yeah. June this year. Yeah, twenty. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear it for me. Oh, I need the, <laughs> I need the pat on the back. I need the validation. Yeah, I mean, twenty years is a long time, and she she runs the room <laughs> weekly. Yeah. So when you first started, why did you start? Local laughs. Let's just start there. Well, I uh, was hosting a trivia night at the venue. And on Sundays, it's still going. So, it's been going longer than the comedy. And I was running another comedy night at a different place. And some of the, the staff and the management from the local tap house went to this other place where I was doing the comedy. And went, hey, can we do that at the local? And I went, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, let's let's give it a run for a, f- a few months and see what happens. <gasps> Twenty years later, <laughs> so that's uh, that's it. So the my secret to programming 
is I I I put it on for my own enjoyment. <laughs> that's it. I genuinely I want a good night out, yeah. and so that uh, what I'm interested in is uh, different different comedy voices, uh, unique viewpoints, things like that. But I also run it so that there's, as I said, I, I want I, I want a I want a good workplace. So workplace rules also apply. So you know, in the green room, it's it's a workplace. So, no dodgy shit. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, we're in this space now because I did a gig at Local Laughs and one of the comedians, Patrick Collins, um, she's awesome. She runs Shrub Comedy, which is here. So, she invited me to come out here and do a set. Saw the space, loved it. Met Ali. Please, some noise for Ali. Woo, woo, woo. Amazing Yay, venue Ali. person. Um, and then just was like, oh, maybe we should just, you know, try and bring some people in. And so mm. I think what I know of coming to your space, which is one of my favorite spaces, is that I always feel like you've picked people who, you know, fit my personality. I've, yeah. I've made friends from there. And not just like, oh, yeah, we're friends. But no, actually friend friends um, because of just the similar vibe and, and also very supportive of women and comedy as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so what... I mean, you're you're driving everything from behind the scenes. You're producing. What else do you think has helped sustain your room for that long? Uh, let's see. A ludicrous tenacity, uh, to my own detriment, <laughs> and and I suppose it's wanting to see things done right. It's like knowing that I'm I am making a difference in increments. And have done so, and wanting to to give performers that might not necessarily have a um, a great space out there, in it, like a consistently good space to perform. So there is that. So, but there is a lot of uh, to my own <laughs> mental de detriment. I I will confess. What an idiot. Oh well. <laughs> oh no. And does it get competitive amongst the different comedy rooms? Um, in town, or is it you know good camaraderie? Uh, I mean, hangs. No, well, I mean, I like to suggest other comedy rooms if people are uh, go. Oh, I can't come out on a Monday night. And I go. Oh, go to this one, or uh, collaborate with varying other ones. And sort of sometimes it's good to have international alliances as well, uh, because like the the Kuala Lumpur scene, which I mentioned, the Malaysian comedy scene. I've got good relationships there, and so I like to take my collaboration internationally and suggest comedians who are travelling uh, to each to other rooms. So it's, it's for me it's global. It's actually not local. It's not a not about me. It's it's this global operation that I'm masterminding. <laughs> I can believe that Janet. Well, you know, it's good to have an international alliance of people who aren't assholes. Uh, yeah. So, sometimes, you know, there's assholes out there and you go, well, let's just all be nice together. Have you have you fine-tuned a way to sort of filter out the assholes? Like what's your asshole filtration process? Oh. Yeah, sometimes you could like people who are really pushy about getting a spot where they just keep harassing me and harassing me and I go, I don't get like you know, I don't get a great financial reward out of this. I I've got to have some fun. I don't want to have somebody just, you know, really needling me when I've said, Oh look, you know, we're full at the moment, so uh but you know, send me a clip and I'll keep an eye out for you. And if they then two weeks later come back and you go, Oh, just listen. <laughs> 
So at that at that moment, I probably just I will admit I just go nah. <laughs> so it's very it's very weird. There you go. So if, if anybody is listening, so what's the way? To it's fine to ask. But yeah, but it's, not it's like to... dating. It's like dating. Mm-hmm. It's fine to ask, but don't go. So what about it now? Hey, what about <laughs> it? Huh? 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 So how do you like to be wooed? <laughs> I like to be wooed. <laughs> I, don't, I like I like to be able to give advice. I mean, if somebody says, "Oh, here's a clip," uh, like you know, I'd love to play your room. Here's a clip of me doing comedy, uh, uh, or would are there any rooms you could suggest, or something like that? That's also that's fine. Just being normal. Just be normal. Mm, that's pretty much it. Mm, mm, mm. That's that's some good advice. Just in general life. Well, <laughs> yeah. Just well, I always find it extraordinary when. Chill. In theatre, you have to audition. You don't just go, I'd like that part. I want the lead role. <laughs> you don't get to do that. But in comedy, for some reason, a lot of people think that uh, I'd, I just need to book a spot. Who who are you? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> I confess I did do that. I went to Brisbane in Ju- July. Yes. And I wanted to go see one of my favourite comedians. And then I was like, oh, I've done comedy in Melbourne. I'll just list all the things I've done to try and get a spot. And they're like, that's nice. But this is the process, and it's like, oh yeah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think. But at least that you've given them information rather than, uh, I want to book a spot, and you go. Oh, who, yeah, who? but I, I think it's got to do with reading the room, like yeah. you're saying. So even on the website, it was very clear what the process was. I oh. didn't. I just went straight to, okay, who do I email to tell them how awesome I am? And then it was like, yeah, <laughs> you're not. Whoops. Um. So that I think that's good advice that you're, that you're sharing. If anybody would like to ask some questions, this is your time. The time is now. We have the mic right here. Oh you're my God! Somebody's waving. Grab the mic. I think we've got Evram. Yeah, do you, did you want to come out or you want to shout it out? I can shout as long as you can hear me. Okay, I'll hold my microphone out so that if you shout, they can hear. I was wondering, for all that stuff you said about what's in the green room, you're like, we grew up before you could do it professional and that's an important part of the culture and stuff. How do you think that impacts the audience that then comes to the show? Uh, well, I'd say the audience gets a better quality comedian. <laughs> it's less sleaze bags. Uh, maybe that's it. That because those sort of things can bleed out on stage sometimes. So, look, I think I think it's important to to support support each other as well. And I think that the quality the quality does the quality of of backstage does impact on stage. Mm-hmm. I would say. Just in in because it is it is work, it's work. It, it look it's fun. It can be fun, and it can be playful and great. But it is an actual workplace. So, mm. <laughs> and I I definitely can speak to the safety that you also sometimes feel. Not all rooms feel safe because in the green room it's just often a club of guys, and then you walk in and they're like, mm-hmm. and so yeah. even. Even feeling safe, and then also the the scale of experience that people have. Like mm. she's talking about, some people have been doing this twenty years. They just have these jokes on tap. Um, but I often find I don't really get a sense of people's egos backstage. Um, at your in your room, I I don't know. Maybe they just yeah. I don't think they. I, I, I don't, don't get that. that Where some places, you know, people will be telling you what they've done, who they are, you know, and. Um, I think it comes back down to safety, like like you're saying. Uh, yeah, and without it being tame, I mean, it's still the fun and whatever. I suppose it's also based on what I experienced as a young woman too, backstage at, at uh, comedy rooms and stuff. Where you're trying to, you're just freaking out, trying to 
get get yourself together and try and remember things. And you've got some guy go, hey, so blah, 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 crack on, crack on, crack on. And you're going, who is this creep? Oh, my God, oh, my God, I feel bad. And so that's it. You're trying to you, – and so I saw a lot of very promising women in that era, especially just go, oh, wow. just leave wow. because why would you want to put yourself through that? So there was – I – what I do is I uh, I want a workplace where young Janet would feel okay. Yeah, that's that's so important. Yeah. And uh, I was going to ask you, so your room has been running that long. Yeah. Do you have any one person that you saw early on and you just knew like, ooh, that one is going to be <laughs> something or do something? Anyone come to mind? Oh, look, oh, probably a few, but uh, – uh, I mean, Sammy J is a good example. Hannah Gadsby is another example. Like Hannah, Hannah's first ever uh, mainland gig, <laughs> like when she moved from Hobart, when she moved from Tasmania to to uh, to the mainland, was at Local Laughs. So I was an early adopter there uh, of her, and it was just ones who very early on you could you could, you could see. Like Sammy J is now on ABC Radio and whatever, and. Or whatever, you know, all that stuff he does. That's Emmy J. Uh, <laughs> but I, you, you could see that there's just that spark there. Uh, and so they're the people that I like to keep coming back and uh, and getting them to to keep on exploring what they do. Yeah. Who else? I don't know. Is this, I think it's a name-dropping exercise. Yeah, look, please name-drop. Oh, the and, people and I've seen. I, uh, I will say I, I was um, hosting The Moth and... Cal Wilson, the comedian, also hosts the moth. Oh, and yeah. So when I told Cal, oh, I, I do stand up, she's the one who connected me to. She did, to that's you. right. Um, and so I have met a lot of really great women and fem- well, female comedians um, who are just, yeah, just great, really kind and generous people. Yeah, because Cal's and first gig when she moved from New Zealand was at Lo- Local Laughs too. And she's the one who gave me my job title. And the job title, it's now in, it's in a book, so the biography of the, the Doug Anthony All-Stars, as well as she was the first one who gave it to me and, it's, and it was in some magazine or newspaper. And it's the fairy godmother of Melbourne comedy. Yeah. And it's true. It's, <laughs> so, it's so fitting. I sort of go, ding. Yeah. And so it's a little bit of magic. Ah. Uh, <laughs> here, let me introduce you to your um, comedy hero. <laughs> and suddenly they collaborate together. And there's just things like that, little tipping points where I do, I look over, I sort of like a, a puppet master looking over and going, oh, you know what would be great if they work together or, oh, my God, that person, all they need is this little bit of help. Tip the domino, ding, 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 ding. I'm going to introduce that person to that person. Uh, and I like to see what happens. Yeah. It's like a little, little, little chemistry test. And just go, Poop, <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's great. And <laughs> if anyone hasn't been, definitely go and check it out. This is not a pay promotion. Like I just genuinely love Janet, the room, the space, Aww. and also just the mix of comedians that you've had. Um, I like 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 yeah. Janty Blair now. Yeah, I consider her a friend slash mentor. Oh, brilliant! Um, so she's a First Nations comedian who only started doing stand up a few years ago. She's been a midwife for twenty plus years. And yeah, yeah, she she won she won Deadly Funny uh, not last year, the year before. Yeah, and just just a kind person. So or kind like, people with funny stories to share. Yeah. And, and you giving them the space to do that. Well, and I also like in programming, like sometimes I'll be programming and, and have a little interior plan 
when, like last last night, I, I programmed a, a completely different night, and everybody was over six foot tall except for me. <laughs> Just things like that that I go. Ugh. I mean, the, everybody will be you know, funny and will work together, but sometimes there's other little interior. Uh, programming oh, that just happens accidentally. Oh, or accidentally. Or I thought that was the criteria. No, no, sometimes it is. Six, yeah, sometimes okay. there is where I notice a theme when I go, oh, program that person, that person, that person. I wonder if I can keep this programming going <laughs> and, and just get little things where maybe it is uh, uh, an all-female gig or maybe it's um, there's only one 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 bloke on the lineup. Oh, sometimes it's uh, nobody's got an Australian accent or... Sometimes it is. Everybody's over six foot tall except for uh, the producer or the MC. <laughs> There's all sorts of – you've got to keep yourself entertained when you're yeah, programming. No, you right? do. You definitely do. Because, you know, comedy is a very broad church and so you can find enough people within uh, different different themes <laughs> to, to – uh, Mix and match. Yeah, to mix and match. And play. It is. It's like putting together a patchwork quilt. And there's little pieces that that fit together, and I see it. It's for me. It's uh, it's something that I I love doing, and I don't. That's why I don't just book whoever. Like it's important to know what does this person do, what's their what's their approach, what's what's their style, what's their sort of material, because then that patchwork fit fits in this patchwork quilt. So that's the way. Got to got to got to put them together like that. <laughs> Any patchworkers in tonight? <laughs> Used to. Um, and so then if, yes, somebody is now wanting to be one of those patchwork quilt squares and they're starting out. Oh, you're saying square. That's so restrictive. Did I just say square? Yeah, no. okay. come on. You could be any you shape. You know what? S- skipping the puns now. Um, for somebody who's starting out. Yes. So they're, they're going to try an open mic or they're going to try stand up for the first time. Oh, yeah. What magical fairy godmother wisdom would you give to them? Uh, I, I would say the thing that the audience wants to hear is you. That's it. So instead of thinking, oh, oh what does the audience want to hear? Eh, oh, what, and that people end up doing an impersonation of what they think a, a stand-up comedian is. But we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your stories and we want to hear your approach, how you think, what's the unique perspective of you. So sometimes it's you know fine to keep the um, training wheels on while you work it out, what you are. Uh, but ultimately that's, that's it. I remember back in the 90s then we'd always, like in Melbourne, you'd always notice Sydney comedians uh, tend to be a very club style. Hey, blah, 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 gag, 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 gag. And they'd get to Melbourne and they'd be going... Why, why, what's the audience reaction all about? And the audience in Melbourne would be going, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on, no, slow down. Tell us about yourself. Like, we'd want to know. <laughs> we, we, we had a different approach to didn't just want empty gags. We wanted to know the personality of the comedian. And so I feel that's, that is an important thing, particularly in the style of stand-up that is around now. We do want to know about you. And it's like, yeah, tell us, tell us what's going on in your brain. Especially the, and how fucked up are you? Okay, that's, I like mm. that. <laughs> and and what about stage presence? What are your, what have you seen that works well? Maybe what doesn't work as well? What, yeah, I mean, there are no rules ultimately. But face, yeah. f- well, face the right way is often the good, <laughs> good one, but not always. Sometimes there's people who do weird stuff and I love it. I love an experimental <laughs> weirdo as well. Uh, but again... 
it's know your equipment. In fact, I was we were having a chat just before uh, one of the, one of the people who's coming up uh, in a minute. Then know your equipment is good because there's technical things to do with stand up, and there microphones and lights. So the advice I was giving was. Uh, come up, have a look what it looks like when you're in a room. Don't do that thing and go, oh, it's really bright up here. Because we know the lights are on. It's in your eyes. It's It's got to be bright so we can see you. And knowing how to use a microphone, like uh, for some reason somebody out there has gi- given somebody the advice of just put it on your chin like that. <laughs> and can you see that's not – can you see what's why that's not working? Because the bit that the sound goes into, the drum – is in that bit. So it's just keep it, it pointed. It looks really funny. I just think that <laughs> and not the good kind. It's on your it's on your chin. Why? Mm. Why? And so it's I always go it's it's like a torch. So you you're doing a, a scary face in the dark. You you pointing the torch at your mouth is pretty much it. And so yeah, I took I took the top off and went see that bit that's the plastic drum. That foam bit's the bit the noise going into. So sometimes just knowing how to uh, uh, use a mic stand so you don't freak out when you're uh, up there. So knowing about the equipment, knowing basics of production is and tech is really, really helpful uh, for a performer. So I would I'd advise a lot of performers to just play with a tech desk if you get the chance or have a look at microphones and, and know what those things do so that you know you, it's more in your control. Mm, and even hearing yourself on the microphone as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I, before when I was doing a sound check, yeah. I'd go, yeah, take the top off, uh, bulk up the meds, yeah, yeah. My, my bottom end's pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm just like, like oh, okay, I, I don't know what to say to that. But yeah, yeah I, think, I think even getting used to hearing your voice in front of people is, is helpful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I might throw back to our lovely guest. Oh, we've got one from Chaka. Hi. Yeah, I'll give you the mic so we can hear you. Oh, you've got a loud voice. I'm, I'm pretty loud voice. He's got okay, a loud voice. You've got a, a carrying voice. No, you were talking earlier on about uh, with comedy circles, different types of comedy, and like uh, you were talking about grants. You can't ask for a grant in terms of stand up comedy in itself. Well, you can, but I mean, yeah. yeah, historically they've been. Yeah. Um, yeah, certain, certain grant bodies have erred away, shall we say. So. I think basically my question is, we've got a lot of bodies for everything else, you know. Yes. Building, there's a body for building. There's a body for theatre and wherever. How come there's no body for comedy? Like uh, funding specifically for no, comedy. Not even funding, like just, you know, say if something, if you did something in comedy, like who'd you go to report to? You know what I mean? Like there's no... Oh, like an ombudsman or like an association? Yeah, you know what I mean? Or say, like, you're talking about assholes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- there's nobody can go like, yeah. this person's an asshole, and the comedy body goes like, okay, cool. Well, you're not funny it. anymore, struck yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting because some countries like in... There's like comedy guilds that uh, exist like in, in New Zealand... There's a lot more of that has been set up in the past. If I had my time, I would go back and establish something in the 80s, early 90s. Uh, but as it is, it's sort of a bit more ad hoc and it's sort of almost lef- left up to some of us elder states people to do emotional heavy lifting that we shouldn't. 
Like I, I did try to speak to uh, uh, the Equal Opportunities here in um, – uh, uh, what's the official name of them? Anyhow, you know, the Equal Opportunities and uh, Human Rights people and suggest that we have basically uh, a session, a, a, a training session in which comedians and comedy rooms are invited to talk about appropriate workplace practices – and to go through that and that this is legitimate stuff. This is union unionised things that you'd normally be able to talk about with your union, but uh, we don't have that. And so it's not the same as like the Media Entertainment Arts Alliance is there for entertainers. But again, comedians, a lot of them don't belong to that. So it's sort of this self-monitoring ad hoc arrangement that is uh, difficult to, to navigate, I suppose. So could somebody go back in time and tell young Janet that to get <laughs> together a whole a bunch of people and get a board together? Because <laughs> yeah. you don't want to be, you know, those, oh, you're just, you know, we're restricting you, blah, blah, blah. But if things that are don't operate in a normal workplace, they shouldn't operate in ours. That's yeah. the sort of thing. Yeah, that's a really great question because I'd never thought about that as well, just having that sort of collective or association that yeah. even can put some structure and framework to how... Because from what you're saying about people who've come into comedy and have left mm -hmm. and, you know, there's people in comedy who would do something and offend someone and, you know, someone doesn't like perform but then you don't have anyone to go report to and then you have this... Um, scenario probably where people just like I was told about so and so, I was told about so and so. Yeah. But there's no, you know, there's different sides to a story and there's no story. There's no HR that. department. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. Well, that's it, yeah. So it becomes, uh, again, once again, it sort of becomes more ad hoc. But uh, again, sometimes it's, it's pointing people toward. Uh, just reading, like anybody who works for like a government department has to do different modules every now and again on workplace bully bullying and uh, discrimination and modules like that, which are for a lot of workplace. Who, who, who here has to do those? Yeah, there's a lot of people. So that's it. So you know these things, but some people never do those and so they don't necessarily get called out on their behaviour. Yeah. When I say called out, I mean like, you know, have that explained to them either by an official body or instructed that these are the ways that you behave in a workplace and these are ways that you don't. And you could still be creative as all get out within that genre as well. Because I always find that, that an interesting thing. Oh, I should be able to say whatever I like. It's like, yeah, but you don't. You keep saying the same things again and again and I say it again and again. Where it's like, oh, I'm just going to say something racist and sexist and homophobic. And, uh, and you go, yeah, but you never do it in an interesting way. It's just so boring. <laughs> I think that's it. I'm not offended. I'm just bored. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Stop boring me. Yeah, okay, on, on that note. Somebody, somebody will probably be going, oh, she said this and she's just, you know, snowflake or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. I love obnoxious shit. I do it myself. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, you got to you, you just don't be an asshole. There you go. There's the <laughs> if you take nothing else away. Don't be an asshole. Try and avoid being an asshole. That, that's good. That's good advice. <laughs> what a take home.
Um, all right. We might have room for one more question. Hey, oh, yes. yes. Zoe. Um, it's more of a basic question. Yes. Uh, what's one of your, like, favourite comedy nights that you've hosted? Uh... What is a, one of the favourite comedy nights? I got to say, I do. It, I've I've produced a few uh, all lady galas before that I really like doing because there's. In fact, there was one where it was. Uh, what was it? I think it was frocking hilarious for Action Aid, and it was at the comedy theatre. And there was so it was, uh, it was um, women on stage and they, and backstage. It was the stage manager. And there was one, we had some video, a video component. And the video operator was, was suddenly went, oh, I've just realised I'm the only, the only man backstage. <laughs> oh. And I said, yeah, now you know how we feel. And, uh, but then he, and I said, no, you're not the only man backstage. Look, Andy's over there. And he said, Andy, who's that? And I said, stage manager's husband. He's got the baby strapped to him. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, nice. it was just this thing where it was like a different, different vibe. And do you, do you find that all women lineups feel different to any other lineups? Is there something special about when you get oh, women together? It just together? Feel, feels fun. It's just a fun fun vibe happening. Uh, so I mean, I, I just like those those nights where there's just some other some other little element going on. That uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they I don't know if they are different as such, but I I like them. I like. I like that. I like finding finding a, a, a reason to have a like. It is sometimes just a theme. Mm-hmm. So and if anybody wants any uh, comedy nights program with a theme, I know all the comedians who are over six foot tall. So this, this is your person. <laughs> uh, and and Janet, how would you describe yourself in two words? <laughs> I describe myself as roller coaster ride. <laughs> And and how would your loved ones describe you? Or people uh, close to you. Uh, in two words. Uh, mostly tolerable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great! Well, please can you give a round of applause to Janet McLeod, who has been a roller coaster ride, mostly tolerable, <laughs> as a podcast guest. And that ends our recording for Two Words with Taku, the podcast session. So thank you so much. And yeah, have some fun at the bar and we'll see you in 10 minutes. Knock yourselves out. Thank you. Well, when everybody came back from the bar, we had an open mic night. And three brave people came up, shared their jokes, made us laugh. And Janet so generously gave feedback. Now, if you are interested in comedy or trying it out for the first time, there is something called the Raw Comedy National Stand-Up Competition. That's for people in Australia. And it's open right now. So you can sign up and go and try your own jokes for five minutes and compete to potentially be telling your jokes on the stage at Melbourne International Comedy Festival. So definitely check out Raw Comedy. And to everyone who performed that night, thank you. You're amazing. We hope you do more sets. And here's to more live events where we will be showcasing more comedians, more jokes, and more stories. If you are interested in all the updates, you can follow Two Words with Taku on all the social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and the place where we post all the events and episodes will be twowordswithtaku.substack.com. All right, until next time, see you.